Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got another show lined up for you today that is completely unique. We've got a couple guests in the studio with us, one of which built his own home by himself, right? 100%. All by yourself. (laughs) Two (laughs) hands, literally two hands built this entire house. Is that 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 the way we're selling this? True. I I get by with a little help from my friends. Yeah, there you go. A little bit of help. So, uh, yeah, but we've got uh, a couple guys in the studio. They, They run the Gambler 500. If you've never heard of it, it's the most amazing race uh, using clunker cars, right? Is that, no, is that how that works? Not a race. Not, <laughs> not, a, not, a race. not the amazing uh, race. Not the amazing, not a race. So it's, it's, it's a, it, we, we build it as a uh, as an adventure navigation challenge using uh, impractical or cheap cars, which is now the largest rally in the world, though. That's incredible. So you call it a rally. A rally. Yeah. It's definitely a journey. It is a journey. Yeah, and that's kind of the whole point. Like, it's not about the destination. It is the journey. And so uh, how much fun you have with your friends and how much fun you can have in a cheap just car and just you can kind of make it whatever it is. Yeah, and it's 500 miles, right? You call it the Gambler 500 because you get a car and drive 500 miles. Is that right? Yeah, it started out as 500 miles. But now, I mean, you really kind of have people coming from Florida, from New York, from every corner of the earth. We had people from buying tickets from Africa, from all over Europe and and, uh, uh, Hawaii and Alaska. So some people travel significantly more than 500 miles. Thousands of miles. Thousands, yep. But the whole premise was started... To, to travel 500 miles in a $500 car, but then right, so right, many right. people wanted to do it, we kind of had to, you know, open it up to different interpretations of what that means, and then also expand. So there's about 80 events uh, internationally now. We just got back from Iceland, uh, where we traveled about 300 miles on mini bikes, and, you know, that was a, and then there's about 15, 20 cars that were there, too. We've, we're going to New Zealand here next year, and, and we've got three or four in Canada. Wait, you said 300 miles on mini bikes? Oh, boy. Yeah. Where, in Iceland? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, wow. and then like the worst part of Iceland. This too. reminds me of a scene out of a movie, Dumb and Dumber. Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember a mini bike and then some like some frozen snot. You, you know, have totally yeah. redeemed yourself. You're yeah. looking at him over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dumb and dumber. Uh, yeah, go check out the latest issue of uh, of Iron and Air, and it's got a pretty. Uh, Epic description of the whole and a bunch of great picks. Andy and I are both in giant fur coats, uh, you know, rocking motorcycle helmets with big horns off the side of them. Wow! Iron and Air, Iron and Air magazine, and uh, an automobile magazine, automobile magazine too. That was more about the car adventure than the uh, than the mini bike one. Nice, yeah. Very interesting. Trying to explain the Gambler Five Hundred, and it's it's very hard to explain because. I'm so wrong. When I think about it, I think of like the Cannonball Run. I don't know why it kind of reminds me of that, even though there was super uh, new, fast cars and stuff in that movie. And plus, that was definitely a race. But this is definitely not a race. You yeah. do have your own Burt Reynolds, though. We, we yeah, we do, <laughs> of course. Uh, but it, it is a lot of Cannonball Run because it's fun. People dress up in costume. And like you know, the yeah. people just like just get away. And we started this as suburban dads with you know with nine to five jobs and everything. And just this was a way for us to get away and pretend you know nice. that that we were actually exciting people. The gambler. <laughs> so what's new with the gambler five hundred? 
well, I mean, we're kind of expanding as a brand. We have a, a website where we sell, you know, T-shirts and hats, and, and uh, we do rings and all sorts of stuff that, that kind of, you know, identifies you as a gambler. Um, and then besides all the different runs in different states and countries, uh, we have a whiskey brand that's out. So if you're in Oregon, Washington, California, you should be able to find that in a liquor store. Um, and then on top of that, what, we got a new app coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our own podcast. We have our own podcast. Yes, the audio quality isn't nearly as good <laughs> as this one. We're taking some tips. Yeah, right? I know. We need some we'll, we'll hook you up with uh, all, the, all that you need to know to have a good sounding radio program. Yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, but uh, on top of that, uh, our Hoopty Cross. So we are doing races now. You said race earlier, and we, we actually do do a, a timed event called the Hoopty Cross. And so we've uh, we got two of those under our belt here in Oregon. Now we're going down to uh, Lubbock, Texas next month to uh, to race $500 cars. That's amazing. That is amazing. Literally race. Literally. Is it, a, is it on a dirt track, or is it on a uh, through the woods? What is it? Yeah, dirt track, and it's uh, timed, so you're not racing against other cars, you know, at yep. the same time. Yeah, it's a three-and-a-half-mile track. Um, yeah, all, all time. There are, there are multiple cars on track at the same time, but yeah, it would be, it would be a, a pretty, um, rough deal if everybody started at the same time. There would be lots of accidents, probably <laughs> right. some deaths. <laughs> <laughs> right at the very beginning. Just wouldn't get started out the right way at all. No. So, uh, this, this lifestyle you guys have is a gambler. It's kind of afforded you the ability to build your own home. And that's kind of where I first met Andy, Andy Munson. He's in the studio with us and you built your own home. You started... It took you a couple years. Yeah. Um, from the, you know, it's it's interesting. From the, the day that I picked up my permit set at Clackamas County to the day that I got final and I got occupancy was two and a half years to the date. Wow. Two years, six That's months. That's a commitment. Yeah. That's a major commitment. So I thought uh, when people say like, oh, I'm going to build my own house, that they literally like built the house. I didn't know that they just get subs and they kind of, <laughs> you know, manage them. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a challenge. I thought th- there are so many aspects of it that I thought um, would go really quick. Um, I thought framing would take like two or three weeks, and I just had that. Well, normally it does. <laughs> <laughs> I decided Norm- as a homeowner. Home- would would you call yourself a homeowner builder? Had you ever built anything before in your life? No. Never. <laughs> Never. So you literally jumped into this, no experience, but you have some friends. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like I feel like Tate had a lot to do with this because Tate's been in the building industry for a long time. And I feel like Tate was on the side being like, You can do it, man. You can do it. Andy, you can do it. You can yeah. do it. It'll be fine. I'll be right there. You can do it. Yeah, I you know I I, I, w- I was always supporting it, but you know, uh, uh, and, and I was probably always a good cheerleader, like you said. I I that's how I met you guys. Obviously, I was a I was a salesperson before that. I was a, a builder and a realtor and everything. So I I knew that Andy had enough you know gumption to do whatever he he needed to do, and and he really. Uh, but I was uh, wasn't. I don't think I followed through as quite as many promises to, to help out as, <laughs> as, I, as I probably. I was more of an idea man. We we throw three there. weeks yeah. of framing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, the idea man's got to be there. Corey and I fill those two roles pretty regularly as well. We've got projects that we do around the home. And um, I, you know, I think feel like when it's your own project, you have way more questions than you imagine you're going to have. And then when you turn to somebody for help, like I turn to Corey, he seems to always have answers. Except then when he starts his project, somehow he's asking me questions. And I don't know, somehow I feel like I have answers. It's almost like if you don't have any stake in the game, 
You're like, yeah, no problem. Just do it like this. It's good to go. <laughs> this that is, is true. There's this is what I would that. do. This is what I would do if it were me. And yet, if it were me, I'd be asking somebody else what they would do. So it's kind of an interesting S- dynamic that you have. sketchy or not. Yeah. yeah. Just do it this way. Yeah. No, I, I would sometimes have guys on site that had no idea what they were doing. And they would be like, oh, yeah, man, that sounds good. <laughs> and so I would just kind of do what I thought was right. Um <laughs> And, you know, most of the time it flew. Um, the inspectors yeah. were, were pretty good. I I think I didn't pass, I think, three or four inspections, um, you know, where they were typically had like a small note. They said, hey, you know. I want to hear all about that. That's what that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about the gambler. We're going to talk a lot of bit about Andy's house, the whole process from design through construction all of that stuff, everything you learned, I want to learn all about that. But we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Tony and Corey, Your Weekend Warriors, and we will be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking with a couple guys from the Gambler 500, Andy Munson and Tate Morgan. Andy, you recently built your own home, and I want to learn about the process. I want to hear about it. I was there through a lot of it because you bought the material from me, all the framing stuff, uh, but you learned a heck of a lot during this process because A, you're not a home builder, and B, you never built anything really like this in your life. So let's talk about that process, starting to finish. What even, how did you even start it? You got a piece of property? Yeah. So um, going, I guess, I guess way back, uh, my folks have 14 acres over in Westland and uh, in the Stafford area. And it was, it was originally partitioned. It was two different lots. Um, And as kids, we always treated them as the same, never really thought of it as a second lot. Um, and basically I was living with four other dudes. We had one bathroom in this tiny house. It was, it was rough. Um, and I was kind of starting to think, okay, I should get back home. My parents are getting a little older. Um, it'd be good to be around the farm. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a hobby farm, but there's still fences that, you know, got to be tended to and, you know, trees fall, you got to take care of stuff like that. Um, and my dad was getting, um, you know, less and less able to take care of stuff. So, uh, the original slip that I have, uh, from Clackamas County, I kept the first piece of paper from going there, um, was to get information on putting a single wide up there. And I was just going to roll a single wide up there and, and then kind of, you know, figure it out from there. Um, and then Tate suckered me into building a house. Oh, no, no, no. I wanted you to build a container house. <laughs> one of those little recycled Ooh, yeah. things like, and build it into the side of the hill. And then, then you proceeded to, to build the mansion that you now reside in. And um, the, in, in the, actually the container idea, a friend of mine down in Houston, Texas, was going to build a container home. And um, 
and he got all the way through permits and everything, and then he couldn't get financing because it was atypical. Oh. And, um, yeah, so he he had to redesign it, and he effectively built, like, the same structure but had to stick build it. Um, but I watched his trials and tribulations through his process and um, and thought, you know, okay, I, I think I could – I could probably do that myself. Um, and so Tate and I, we, we napkin, you know, drew a house. Um, <laughs> I mean, literally, yes. I, I think at I've the seen bar. Those. Yeah. I've we, seen those. Yeah. And uh, you had a couple different ideas how you wanted, how you wanted that to happen. And, and basically through my experience and uh, like you said, you know, subcontracting out building a house, I knew the cheapest way to build a house is basically, utilize a, a box you know the, the most expensive thing is your roof and your foundation and you're dealing with building on a slope and you don't want to sit here and spend a hundred thousand dollars on excavation so we're going to build it into the slope don't try to you know form this land around what it is so you build uh, basically a garage with the living space above it and then uh, do some trusses some attic trusses for a little bit of added square footage up there and that that's really the you know you don't get, get too far outside that envelope and you are you know that's that's how you, know, you can you know build a house for i don't know a hundred dollars a square foot yeah, that kind of where Is you that landed. About where you were. Yeah, I mean, in the end of the day, my original budget, I was trying to be in at one hundred and fifty thousand for the entire thing, um, and that's like we're talking a septic field. We're talking punching in the driveway. You've got um, an apron that you have to pave um, or pour um, in Clackamas County, which has you know that in itself has very specific standards. Um, it's like God, the nuances of everything. Um, and if you do it wrong, you then gotta you got to do it over. Tear it back out. Yeah. It costs twice as much. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, they want zero to 5% grade from the road to 20 feet off the road. Then you can go from, uh, you can go up to, I think it's 10 or 12, per, I think it's 12% grade. And then anything beyond that, um, it can tick off requirements where you have to put in like fire suppression systems in your house and, mm. and other things that, you know, can skyrocket costs. Probably because, like, a fire truck couldn't get in there? Is yeah. that, that the thinking? Yeah, yeah. I think the concern is that they would have a, a more difficult time getting down in there, um, to, you know, in the event of an emergency. Um, and so I, I started to navigate through a lot of this stuff. Fortunately, I had time. So once I segued away from the single wide idea and we kind of got the napkin drawing for a house, um, then I, I didn't really know what to do with the napkin like you know like you can't you, take a napkin <laughs> in the just county take it into yeah, yeah. take it in there and say hey i got to get a permit for this yeah <laughs> um so then i started looking for architects um and design people and we looked at plans online and i i scoured online for something that was kind of similar um could never find anything so um then i interviewed a few different architects and um i i originally landed on a guy who was very eccentric. Um, he lives on a, a floating home down by Ross Island, the big silver one that's oh, yeah. down on the end. Oh, yeah. I yeah. know that one, yeah. Yeah, so um, really interesting guy. He he did the original sketch, but he basically, like, took our napkin draw, drawing and made it more theatrical. <laughs> um, he's like, here's where you can tie flies for fly fishing. And, <laughs> you know, you, you yeah. know, I was kind of like, that's all, you know, very interesting, but I need dimensions and I need, right. you know, something that I can take to the county. And he was like, oh, okay, you're going to need to go to an engineer. Um, and at that point, his engineer was like, well, I'm not actually working in Oregon right now. So I ended up hiring another architect and 
having them basically make everything dimensional. Um, and and it, it it was a challenge even getting through that um, process because I think that maybe they aren't huge fans of picking up somebody else's work. Right. And, you know, they're kind of like, well, I'd rather put my own, you know, right. signature on this. Well, because architects, they're artists. I mean, they, they graduate True. with a BA. I mean, they want to make something that puts their stamp on it. Well, so, I think right. that across the board in this industry is the same way. Contractors don't want to step in on somebody else's started project and then say, oh, yeah, this was my project. They don't know a lot of times all the things that were done before they got there. Yeah. And so they want to, you know, they don't want to jump into those things either. So it, it's a tough spot. Yeah. No, and I thought it would be really easy, and it wasn't. Um, but eventually, we got through it. We got we got the drawings drafted up. We got an engineer um, that was referred by another friend that that does construction, and um, and you know we got everything to the county, um, and it you know then it, they came back with all their corrections, and a lot of it's just it's like a foreign language to me. I just had no idea what this stuff meant, and um, fortunately, my friend John Mart. Um, with Martin Company Construction, was able to hold my hand through a lot of that, and and go, hey man, you know, have the engineer look at this, have you know, make this change here. And one of the things was like there was a, a staircase that went all the way upstairs to the uh, attic truss, and um, we ended up it, it was going to be a different detail, and it was going to be hand cut um, roof above the the stairwell. And I, I was like, I have, I don't even know anything about framing. I, how am I going to figure out how to hand? Cut? I don't <laughs> yeah. even know what that means. Yeah. Um, so we ended up rolling the trusses all the way through there, effectively eliminating the access to the the future loft. So right now it's just kind of an empty space up there, um, with the intent that someday I could get like a spiral staircase or you know some other access up there. Um, but there was stuff like that that even before we ever broke ground, we had to make decisions and kind of work through. Um, and then, you know, eventually we, we got the permit set, and um, that was a momentous day. Um, you know, I had a lot of back and forth with the county before that to get the driveway kind of started just to make sure I could feasibly build the driveway and build, you know, put in a septic field and, you know, do some of Oh, this. yeah, a um, lot. There's a lot of groundwork. There's... Um, how do you even determine, is that like right off the bat, you knew you had to do a septic field or or let's just say somebody going in and buying a piece of property. Sure. How would they know? Because I mean, I'm on city sewer. I think Tony's probably on city sewer. I mean, I got a little, just a short little story. Uh, I bought a piece of property before I built my last house, ended up being at a dare house. Oh, that is I a bought a piece of property. Story. And, uh, and after we bought the property and went to go get permits to build there, we found out you can't put a septic here, and there's a moratorium on the on the sewer. So this piece of property, which they marketed as buildable, not buildable. We'll talk more about that as soon as we come back. Take a quick break. If you're listening to Tony Core, your weekend warriors, don't go away. Built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Hey, if you haven't already, go check out our Facebook and YouTube channel. Uh, we're at WW Home Show. You can find us on Instagram, 
Uh, if you Pinterest, Pinterest, we're on all those things. Go check it out. We're at uh, if you can go to our website, it's www.homeshow.com. Uh, we're video podcasting this episode right now, so you can go watch that on YouTube. So uh, we today in the studio, we've got a couple of guests. We've got Andy Munson and Tate Morgan with the Gambler Five Hundred. A couple and, of dudes. A couple of dudes. <laughs> Yeah. What's up? Rolling what, what in up? on mini bikes, driving clunkers. Crazy life. Selling uh selling gear. Yeah, swag. Yeah, last yeah. time I was here I was uh, sh- I was schlepping a house wrap. But, That's right. Uh, on you guys no no more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm free to talk about uh about house wraps and and uh, envelopes <laughs> in any uh, way shape or form. I remember that cuz I'm, I'm, I'm I said not tied I don't down. want to talk about your house wrap. I said <laughs> I have to talk about my house wrap. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. yeah. That's well, so you know, funny. we should include a candid conversation about uh, about house reps. Later. We should. Let's uh, when we get into that, we will. We'll get to that on the house. Right now, we're yeah. still talking about budget. Or no, we were talking about we were septic. Yeah, we were talking yeah. about sewer and septic. Yeah, that, I bought that piece of property and uh, full intentions of building a house there because that's what we were doing. And the How, property it was, was acres. Right? It was acreage. Yeah, yeah. It was absolutely gorgeous. Totally rural, you know. There wasn't a lot of homes around in that area, but a lot of open property. And uh, the piece of property was priced fairly. I mean, it wasn't super inexpensive, but it was right in my budget. And uh, they marketed the property as buildable, right? And I was like, man, this is awesome. We went out and scoped it out like three times. Finally, we decided to sign the paperwork, bought the piece of property. And then when we went to went to get permits to build, they were like, oh, no. Can't put a septic here. And there's a moratorium on the sewer. So we ended up not being able to do it. And then what about composting toilets? We were potentially to be, <laughs> we were potentially to be held, holding the bag. We had it right. And we were, we had paid for it and we were like, what are we going to do? But uh, it turned out they were being sneaky. And uh, mm-hmm. we just hired a guy who looked at the paperwork and said, oh yeah, they can't do that. And so we got our money back and then we nice. were, and then we were, you know, uh, no worse for wear. But it's a, it's a bummer because we, you know, we picked out the spot. It was beautiful. It's exactly what we wanted. We had all these dreams crushed. Crushed. Yeah, that that is, as a former realtor, that's something I should say, that everybody who's going out looking for property, do your own due diligence. And and even on the standpoint, if you have good representation, go down to the county and look at it yourself. Yeah. Like You just need to do it because they, they can't do it for you. Well, so, I mean, that is an interesting question because I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't know what questions to go ask the county. I mean, you could say, hey, is this land buildable? And they could say, well, yeah, you can build whatever you want on it. But that doesn't mean you can hook it up to sewer or get power there or drill a well or get city water, right? I mean, they, the, yeah, the I mean, basic utilities that you need to have a home. They're, yeah, but if, you, like, if you're in Clackamas County, you go up there and um, they have planning specialists and that'll, they'll sit down and they want to make sure that, you know, you have success um, – and, and so they'll sit down and, and kind of walk you through and go, okay, this is, this is feasible. This is not, this is, you know, here's all your setbacks. Here's different things to consider. Um, for my area, we found out, um, like my lots on six and a half acres and a, a lot of it is in a habitat conservation area, um, riparian zone. And it's mm. like a zone one. So, Fortunately, the area that I wanted to put the house was outside of that, but a large portion of our area that of, of the acreage that's forested um, might be buildable, but it, you'd have to jump through a lot more hoops. Um, and so that, you know, you, you, there's a way to, um, I think it's portlandmaps.gov, um, but there's a way to like basically look at layers on properties. So um, 
that would be a good resource. You know, if you're listeners, I could get get you that link. In the Portland uh, area, that would help for sure. Yeah, so you can and you can take a look at a property, click on all the layers, see where there's riparian zones and seasonal streams and and different things that might affect your project. Interesting. Yeah, so you don't go into it blind and go, "What, what do you mean I can't do you know do this or that?" Um, but yeah, I guess you know, getting back to my my septic system, you know, I I originally they had said, "Oh, it'll be a little over eight thousand. Um, to, to put in the, you know, that'll include the tank and all the lines and everything. I thought, geez, that's pretty reasonable. And, um, and it was, it was Kaufman that was going to do the work. And, um, the night before, or maybe it was, maybe it was a couple days before I sent over the paperwork and he called me back and he's like, we got a, we got a problem. And I was like, Oh, what's the problem? And he's like, well, your approval says, um, standard septic with pre-treatment. And I was like, Oh yeah, whatever whatever that pretreatment means. And he's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, there's a big difference. Um, he's like, the difference is like, you know, between like, you know, eight grand and 22 grand. Whoa. Yeah. And I, you know, having a budget of trying to do this whole operation under 150,000, I was like, I, you know, I think this budget's blown. I think we're, you know, we're, we're done. Um, and I, I met with Tate and, um, and John and we, we kind of penciled everything out on paper and we thought, geez, where can we cut fat? Um, and trim this thing up. And, um, and so I, I was able to kind of eke it out and go, okay, we're going to have to do a sand filtration. And basically the, you know, they found out that the soil around my home wasn't, you know, really conducive to a septic field. Um, and the night before I actually wrote the down payment check for the septic, I wrote half the money out on the check. And, um, before I sent it, I called the guy back and I said, Hey, I just had this inclining, there were some septic pits dug in like 1978 that were on a different part of the property. That's kind of a ways away. Um, but I know they were approved. And I was like, is that anything you can use or can we try digging over there? And he kind of lit up on the phone and he's like, you know, that those are going to be grandfathered in. And it means that we'll just put in a pump over where your septic tanks are. And then we're going to pump the liquid affluent over to the, the septic field. <laughs> Even oh, better. Affluent is a really nice word. Even better, Isn't right? Nice yeah, word? it's a nice word. Get it a little further away? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it um, further away, and um, and we went cruising right back down. So it, with the pump and everything, I think it, it was um, – actually found a pump in – an old tank that was down where my grandma had lived in a single wide. <laughs> so I remember they pulled the single wide out and they said, there's some, there's some fancy parts in there that you should sell. And I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. So I just left whatever was in there in there. I found out, uh, that grandma was looking down on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's something about it. This is not me, right? It's not me. It's more Corey than it is me, but there's something about a guy whose first response to, Having to get a part is, let me go check my garage. You know, I might have that. Even doesn't matter how obscure or crazy or, you know, a pump for a septic or yeah. whatever. I really admire and respect a guy who's going to say, let me go check my shop. See if I got something out there from I, I, might, have, I might have a pump from 1972. You got a lot of materials kind of kind of grandfathered in and uh, just kind of floated or found. Yeah. A lot of the recycle and reclaim stuff over there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that brought the septic back down. I think I was out like nine thousand. So not you know, bad. Brought things back. And then yeah, the whole project, I kind of would have friends go, hey, hey, you think you could use this? And you know, Tate was doing um 
a lot of. I might have had some rats. leftover material. Might have had some stuff we could somewhere. We could do some sampling with hey, or something. You know. You know? Um, <laughs> that's what friends are for, man. <laughs> that's right. I find myself in Corey's garage finding, you know, cutoffs, left, leftover stuff that pieces. he's not going to use that I use for my stuff as. I kind of go shopping at Corey's house pretty regularly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, going back to budgets, I mean, this was a, I kind of forgot about this whole oh. period in the process, but like, but like hard bid everything all the way through. And, and a hard bid basically means this isn't just a, an estimate. This is a, you find a contractor, typically three contractors, get three bids on that, and then, then, then use those numbers to put into your estimates. You could hold those contractors to those numbers later on in the process. And then always have a 10 to 15% contingency in there because yeah, something's yeah. going to go sideways mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah. yeah, it's not if. If it doesn't, then you've got some yeah. money to buy some furniture. Yeah. But yeah. more than anything, it's going to go wrong. That's Something's going to go wrong. Yeah, when it doesn't, that's the exception, yeah. not yeah. the rule. I've done a lot of projects, but I've never built my own house. I'm a little scared. I mean, I've, I've built a lot of things, but I'm, I'm a little scared to build my own home. Thank you well, I'll tell you what. I'd... Now you're an enabler. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. So, so, certainly something I would do again. Okay, we've got to take another quick break. When we come back, more with The Gambler 500. You listen to Tony Core, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back. to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today, we've got the Gambler 500 boys in the studio with us, talking about Andy's home that he just built himself. Took him a couple years, and he learned... A lot. I'll tell you what, I feel like you, the biggest thing you had going for you uh, was the time frame. Because when you're on a time crunch, right? Like if you had said, this has got to get done in this amount of time, that forces your hand. 100%. Because the schedule is somehow becomes paramount for whatever the deal is. And so you go into this and you're like, you know what? I don't care how long it takes me. This is the amount of money I have to work with. And, and these hands, and I'm going to make it work one way or another. I mean, having that available, it's huge. I mean, it's huge. Yeah, 100%. I, you know, because it's – and that's where, you know, we even get back to, like, God, you know, getting into the finances of it and trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to get money for this? And if it's a construction loan, then it might be released in increments, and it might, you know, have some really high interest, you know, payments. Um, I was fortunate enough to get – basically like a home equity line um, that my folks helped me out with. Oh, nice. So I was able to kind of have a block of money and not, it was only, I only paid on what I was using. So it wasn't like I was paying interest on a giant, you know, right. chunk of money right yeah. off the bat. Smart. Um, so that, yeah, it really helped to, to have that as a, as a tool. So I mean, once it, you got the, once you got the septic thing squared away, it was probably time to find an excavator. Yeah. Hundred percent. Or you said that you uh, you said you had an excavator that came out and and punched in the driveway, driveway. right? Yep. That was first. Yeah, they punched in the driveway, um, and we got all that the the legal stuff done there, so that we had a, a sufficient you know way to get equipment in and out of the site. And um, and it should be said that your piece of property is super steep. It is. I mean, yeah. it's not a flat lot. Yeah. This is a. I mean, it's significantly steep. 
Yeah. Like a hillside. Yeah, it's a hillside. Yeah, it's like if if you were on Pete's Mountain, you could look back towards the city of West Lynn, and I'm in the county, but like on an opposite hill looking across uh, the valley there. Which lends itself to why it's awesome. I mean, the views are amazing. It's and, and And hillsides are inherently just more interesting. If you're on a big, just boring, flat piece of land, you don't really have much to look at, but you've got a little rolling valley and some nooks and crannies and beautiful trees. It's It's awesome. It's a good spot. Um, yeah, I mean, originally we were up there hacking away brush and I was up on an orchard ladder kind of <gasps> figuring out where to, you know, which way to point the house. Oh yeah. I, I just want to mention that Andy did everything on an orchard ladder. He framed this house on an orchard. <laughs> the, the, the most dangerous of all. Wooden? Yeah. Yeah. Wooden orchard ladder. Well, he took oh, one I spill. come over an old man. Made in yeah. 1972. Holy smokes. It was rough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I got, so I had an excavator blade in the driveway, um, and get that work done. And then they gave me a bid for the, the next scope and it was, I thought it was high. Um, but before I balked, I was like, well, I better get some other bids. And that's something I would tell all your listeners to do is like, before you get upset, get a couple other bids because you may find out that the guy's actually super reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, it was, it was higher and it was, it was kind of like it was the all inclusive, like, hey, they would have their guys come out, do everything. And I was champing at the bit to want to get involved. I wanted to learn about um, putting in sewer pipe and connecting all this stuff. And, you know, it's this is when you were shopping for an excavator. You're like, for 22 grand, I can get my own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're going to do it yourself. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I've always liked approaching stuff like this kind of unconventionally, like, hey, how, what's a way that you could like kind of, you know, do a deal? Could you buy an excavator, use it and then sell it? And I'd heard you guys doing that. You're on um, Craigslist looking for. Totally. Like a D10. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> like <a buck. laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't. And I, but the, ultimately, I know a lot about shoveling. I know nothing about excavating. Um, on our property, we never had a tractor. Um, we always just used our hands. So, you know, it would have been a disaster. I think somebody even said that. They said, you're oh, going to do more damage than you are, you know, productive yeah. work. Um, so, yeah, I, at the last minute, I, you know, I called a family friend of ours who my brother recommended. And he said, hey, you know, call Steve. Um, and he had actually buried my mom's horse. <laughs> Um, oh, no. down below our property. And so I was like, oh, I remember Steve. And he's like, yeah, he actually lives out um, out east, but he's, you know, still operating. Eastern Oregon? Yeah, yeah. He lives out in Madras. Um, but he, he was like, yeah, he can uh, uh, possibly do it. So I gave Steve a call, and sure enough, he was like, yeah, man, um, you can be my grunt. So you're going to be on the ground running the pipes and gluing them together and uh, – Running the grade rod. I didn't even know what that meant. But. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's one thing that I'm always amazed at when I see guys on an excavator, the machine, you know, an excavator machine. They, I don't know how they operate those things so well. Oh. I, I ran a mini X in my backyard when I was doing my backyard. My buddy dropped his off and he was like, oh, play with it. Do whatever you want. And it was this, this little mini, you know, diesel excavator. And I could not get to get it to do those things that those guys can do that's like an extension <laughs> of their body yeah, yeah it's always these compound scoop, movements per, oh yeah it's like i'm gonna scoop and pick it up and yeah. lift it up and put it over here and i was just like er, 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 you know <laughs> dirt flying everywhere i mean it's a it's a very uh specific skill set that i think you did it right i mean if, if you yeah. try to do things like that yourself you're gonna end up in trouble yeah 
Yeah, no, and and Steve had a a, a lot of experience doing this, um, and and really, you know, he was he saw me having difficulties with my budget, and he was like, "Tell you what, you know, go into Consolidated for all your pipe and just use my account." And nice. he's like, you know, as far as all the rock goes, I'm not putting any margin in that. You know, just order it direct. Um, he's like, bring site one in to shoot all the rock to a lot of the areas, so we're not moving it around and wasting more time. Um, so he really had some kind of like good tactical ways to make it happen. Yeah. Um, as a one man band. And, yeah. And that was, that was really cool. And it saved my butt on the budget. I'll tell you what, it can be very tempting. Um, especially when you're in a situation that you don't know everything about, it can be very tempting to go with the guy who says, look, I know it's a little bit more money, but I'm going to handle everything for you from A to Z. When I'm done, the next thing you're going to see is a concrete truck in here pouring concrete. So you're thinking, man, that sounds pretty good, but man, it's a lot of money. I mean, I totally respect that you went and found somebody uh, that could understand the work and was willing to put you to work. Sweat equity, huge, mm-hmm. uh, especially in you know DIY, owner-builder kind of situations. Um, my situation, similar to yours, was that the excavator came out and he's like, I said, this is what we got to do. First, we had a... We had a single white. No, this was not a manufactured home. This was a mobile home. Had tail lights on the back of it still. The wheels and the axle were still underneath it. I mean, this thing was a mobile home. Like a gambler rig. Yeah, like a gambler <laughs> rig. And uh, so we had to get rid of that in order to build the house on the property. And the excavator came out and he's like, you know what? I'll dismantle that whole thing for you. I'll recycle the metal. I'll credit you back what I get for the recycled metal. And then when I get that and I'll haul the whole thing off. I got my own dump trucks. And when I get that all hauled off, then I'll dig this thing out, and this is what it's going to cost. And I thought, wow, I guess that sounds good. I mean, I had no idea. I had no idea. And I didn't get another bid because I thought, this guy's got it figured out. He knows exactly what I want to get done. He's capable of doing the whole thing, and I'm just paying out one time to one guy. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, so he got in there and dismantled that thing, and he brought in his dump trucks, and he hauled all that stuff off. And you know what? Underneath that mobile home was a landfill of stuff that the people who had owned the property before just dug holes underneath and buried stuff. We oh. found we found a bench seat from a 57 Chevy. We found tires and wheels and you name it, lumber scads of just stuff. I mean, and he had to dig all of that stuff out in order and haul all that stuff away. Ended up costing me <sighs> Way more than I thought it was supposed to or should have, honestly. But um, but I'll never know because I didn't get another guy and bring him in and find out what what I could have done it for. So anyway, I, I respect the fact that you went out and found somebody. That's, that's absolutely awesome because you can lose a lot of money right in that one little aspect of the job. I was going to say you're lucky, though, because most, most contractors are actually going to charge you more if the homeowner's involved. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is true. I know a lot of contractors that... Uh, when the homeowners try to get involved to that point, we, you know, we've talked about that before on the show before too, you know, being a weekend warrior, I like to do things myself, I, you know, and if I got to hire somebody in to do something that I can't do, you know, it, it, there is that fine line, mm-hmm. you know, you get the guy that comes in or the gal that comes in and you say, I just want you to do this, you know, just this small piece and I'll do the rest. Oh yeah. And sometimes that, that percentage is going to go up. Now, they don't just lop off all of that profit or all of that work. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. 
Well, you know, I mean, so the contractor doesn't know what he's getting into when he says, sure, you can be responsible for this and this and this. He doesn't know if the guy's going to follow through, if right. he's going to take forever to get it done, if he's going to do it wrong, if he's going to be in the way, if he's going to get hurt, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. All right, we got to take another quick break. This is going by so fast. We'll be right back with the dudes from the Gambler 500. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around. Today we've got the boys from uh, the Gambler 500 sitting in the studio with us. Andy Munson, who has built his own home recently. So we're kind of learning about that whole process. We've got Tate Morgan in there. Who is his, uh, his emotional support and cheerleader slash motivator. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Every, and every once in a while, they throw the bag. And very huh? close friend. Yeah, Idea guy. Well, and that's the difference. I was, I was a superintendent back in the day, and so that was very good at telling people they should go do things, <laughs> yeah. not actually doing them myself <laughs> yeah, in yeah. my defense. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a good okay. friend that's to okay. have. Yeah. yeah. So uh, just so people, for people that don't know what the Gambler 500 is, tell everybody what it is, how do they get in touch, how do they do it? How do, if somebody wanted to do the Gambler... So it, the, the gambler is this stupid thing that Andy and I came up with uh, six years ago. They were just we just got cars and wanted to go explore the woods. Never once tried to market it or manage it or sell it or, or have it be a business. But uh, we had a viral video that, uh, that that went crazy on Facebook and like twenty forty million views, which caused like forty million people to ask us if they could come out and do this gambler and. It didn't really exist in that fast because all we were was 20, 30 guys doing it. We couldn't have all these people. But instead of saying no, we just said, <laughs> okay. And so then that next year, we went from 60 people to 1,600 people. Uh, and wow. we, we hosted up at Hoodoo. We found a bunch of great partners here in the community. We have Yakima uh, that gets on board. We've had Six Hours. We've got their optics plant down there in, in Wilsonville. Um which Walton, well, Wilsonville. Uh, and then, so now it's just, now it's a global car culture thing. Now it's not this, this, I've never really wanted to manage one big crazy event. I wanted to manage a brand. And so we've now, we've spread all these different events. You can find them by typing in Gambler 500 on Craigslist. Not Craigslist, Facebook. <laughs> you can find plenty of stuff on, on Wait, Craigslist. Wait, is Gambler 500 well. for sale? Oh man, you can always <laughs> oh, find at least are. 10, 10, 15 Gambler cars. Punch, punch really? Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, that's always. cool. Uh, but now, uh, now we're starting racing. So uh, uh, Chuck Brazier and I, our partners on a, on a, on a Hoopty Cross, which is our, our racing series. And we've got one coming up in Lubbock, Texas. And uh, we'll have one down in Johnson Valley, California, during the King of the Hammers. Um, and so above, above and beyond that, June 26th through the 28th, I think uh, this year we're going to be doing it again. Uh, out in Central Oregon, uh, we're looking at a few different communities. We were in Klamath County this last year. The local chamber uh, said that we raised $1.1 million in that community. It was spent over the course of three days during wow. the event. So Impact they love trash. us. Yeah, I mean, we're oh, like, yeah. You know, 140. No, over 200 cubic cards. Okay, 200 cubic yards. Oh, tra trash. It's a competitive tra trail cleanup. So we, we use public lands, and then we kind of give back public lands. Oh, that's, that's nice. That's yeah, amazing. That is, that's great. Absolutely. So if somebody wants to get in touch, Gambler's website. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd say gambler500.com um, is a great way to, to learn about it. And then um, find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can you can just plug in Gambler 500. Well, what about that hot deal on, on swag? So if, you're, if you were looking for a T-shirt, mm-hmm. you could get on gambler500.com and go over to the shop. And we're going to do a buy one, get one free. No, set. don't do I, it. No, I'm going to do, do it. it? I'm oh, you're crazy. It. I'm going to do it. Uh, <laughs> now, now that I have a house, I have a garage that has mountains of shirts that I are still left don't over. have one by the way really oh I almost brought some out here I'll bring one by your work <laughs> all right let's do it um but I'll yeah I just I bought a, a few too many shirts um well made too many shirts and um so we're gonna yeah we're gonna do a big uh sale coming up uh buy one get one free on all the 2019 yellow um gambler 500 shirts we've got just a bunch of other cool swag on there uh, rings and flags and um hats and hoodies and um. Yeah. It's 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 and it's really cool. I, I God, it's Full, like a, we're fully selling out. We are selling out. That's amazing, um, though. But yeah, I was at I was at PDX recently, and there was a guy with a gambler shirt. Um, and I pull up, and I'm I'm hey hey hey, and I'm trying to show him my shirt, and he thought, who is this crazy guy? <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. So yeah, I fun. just uh, I just went on Craigslist and I searched gambler, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, a lot of a lot of things came up. There's a, a, a 2000 Mitsubishi Montero Sport. <laughs> People try to market their cars oh, wow. Look at the to Honda. be a gambler rig. Honestly. Yeah. So that's I guess that's a, nice a tip. Ford Bronco. Yeah, if you've nice got uh, Bronco. if you've got a, an old car that you're trying to get rid of, maybe maybe put the keyword in there, gambler. Yeah. Facts. Facts. <laughs> Hard facts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is awesome. Absolutely awesome. So before we went to uh, before we went to the last break, Andy, we were talking about uh, we just kind of wrapped up your uh, excavation part of your project. So you're moving on at this point now to foundation. Yep. And uh, I know the foundation can be particularly expensive, especially sure. on a, you know, a steep slope slot. So yeah. were you looking at a lot of money in concrete? Yeah. I, I think the high bid I had was 60 K, um, which, you know, when you have a little budget like mine, that's going to kind of screw you up. Um, and that's, I, that's probably one of the times I got some gray hairs, mm-hmm. um, and, and met with Tate and John again. And they said, okay, let's get some other bids. And, um, and I ended up finding a crew that, um, it cussed a lot and they worked, uh, <laughs> in the mud really well. And, um, it was kind of a, an interesting group of guys, but they, they did it for way less, um, and, and, and I think did a great job. Um, and, and, you know, they passed the inspection on, you know, on that. Um, well, I think it's a good time to, to, when you're looking at contractors, there's two types of contractors. There are contractors that do high volume, which are typically for high production homes, your, your uh, DR Hortons, your Lexars and your, um, all those guys. And then there's guys who cater to homeowners mm-hmm. and these guys do much less volume. So their margins are much higher, like twice as much, you know, typically. And so, but you usually can't find those guys, but if you can find a guy who, who is not as time sensitive, he wants to do a little infill. He's got a break in between his, his big jobs. He's going to slide in with those high production guys. Guys, and they can rock it out for about half the cost of the can as the kind of the boutique guys down the street. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You you make a good point because you like and Tony said this earlier, you weren't on a specific timeline. You didn't say, I have to have this house done by February. Right. You didn't say that. You said, well, whenever. Yeah. And you it got was time, like, come on out. Yeah. And, and that's it, really ideal for a contractor who's trying to fill something in. Mm-hmm. You know, he can come out, finish it out. You know, you gotta be a little careful with those guys sometimes. 
because they can come out for a day and then you won't see them for three weeks. They'll come out for a day and then <laughs> yeah, you'll see them for three weeks. Yeah. And yeah, and they, um, you know, and I, I, and I also didn't have to worry about all the other subs getting stacked up or their schedules getting messed up. I was like, well, I'm the other subs. And it's yeah, funny because right. like these Concord guys would be like, oh, your framers will figure it out. And I'm you're like, like, I'm the framer. I'm the framer, dude. <laughs> and they're like, oh. So let's well, have a conversation about it yeah, right now. Right yeah. Now. Well, and the framers, and he was like, oh, the Finnish guy will fix it. Oh, like, yeah. Totally. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm the Finnish guy. Those drywall guys will fix it. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, so you got uh, you got through that. I mean, we we looking at pictures actually of the foundation, and it is a monster. Yeah, I mean, how long were you on that project there before it was done and ready to frame? Um, I mean, the concrete. I think it took them about a week to put all the forms up, and then pouring took you know, geez, probably a day. Um, they they poured really quick. You can see some just monster like washing machine size footings there. Those are for the deck. Um. But yeah, they they were kind of in and out. I I felt like for for what they were doing, um, and then they ended up coming back um, and and wrapping up a little bit more stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> All right, we got to take another quick break. When we come back, more with Andy Munson and his new home. You're listening to Tony Core, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Show built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Today we're talking with Andy Munson and Tate Morgan. Tate Morgan with the Gambler 500. My brain's slow. Yeah, it's really slowed down over the years. <laughs> Actually, I was like, ah. before we went to the break, we we had determined that you got your foundation all done, and now the time was to decide. You know, what is your floor going to look like? Is this going to be silent floor, post and beam? You're going to have tongue and groove plywood decking or two by six TNG. I mean, how did you make those decisions? Was that all based on uh, cost, or was it more like, uh, you know, I want this to be amazing uh, how did you make those decisions i think Corey made them for me <laughs> probably <laughs> he's pretty good advice giver actually yeah. when it comes to that sort of thing yeah i uh yeah I, you know some of the stuff i i'd talk to friends and they'd say hey um use plywood for your roof because if it rains on it, it gets all gooshy and it's you know osb that's going to be a bummer um they're like your walls should be fine with osb um you know so i made some decisions that way um, and then, yeah, once we pulled the trigger on it, it was like, boom, par, you know, brought the lumber pack and it was the first, I didn't know that you don't get the whole thing. So <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't remember know. that conversation with you actually. Yeah. You actually told me, you know, I don't have a lot of room. I don't know where I'm going to put all this stuff. I'm like, that's okay. We'll just send you what you need up first. And he was like, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, just the first little bit of lumber to get you started. It was wonderful. Um, yeah. And that was really cool. I, I was, there's a photo on there. It's like the first par truck pulls up and, um, dropped off the, the sill plates and, um, some of the first framing timbers. Um, that 
that day, the night before I went to Pal's Books and I bought a book on how to frame. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thumbed through it. So Wait, I knew. Framing, framing for Dummies? Is oh, that what it was called? Probably. Didn't you get my Framing 1, 2, 3 book? I think I did. Yeah. yeah. That, that was that was so I could communicate with the framers when I was around jobs. Nice. Well, I also remember you coming in and saying, I need some tools. Yeah. I need a tool bag. I need some tools. So, you know, what do I, and I remember this quite, you asked me, what do you think I need? Yeah. And we walked through the store at Par Lumber Company and we bought, you bought like the essential tool list. Yeah. And you actually brought it with you. Oh yeah. boy. I've got my bags right here. There it is right he bought, there. So you ended up buying a nice pair of bags. You know, some guys would walk in and they go, give me the cheapest stuff you got. 30 bucks. Okay. That looks good. Sure. You bought some Occidental leather tool bags. Those are the nicest bags money can buy yeah. yeah i mean honestly yeah and i think you know my my friend john mart um you know told me hey you're gonna use them for a lifetime these are the best bags and um and i also wanted to have something that i could hang on the wall or down by the workbench and be like hey i built that house with those bags and with that hammer and hand it out to your kids yeah a pair of occident i mean and honestly occidental tool bags are the kind of thing you can hand to your kids. Mm -hmm. That's how yeah. good they are. Yeah, they are definitely not made with uh, disposable products in mind. Like, you know, a lot of what we're dealing with these days yeah. is just disposable products, but that is definitely not. I have my grandfather's leather bags in, in my shop. I'm still using them today. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely so, yeah, love that. That's a, you, that was the first thing you got. You bought a hammer. Yeah, and what else you have in there? You have a. Uh, you, I told you to get a Fat Max. Yeah, Fat got Max. Got a twenty-five foot Fat Max in there. Yeah. he's got a chalk line. He's got a little torpedo level in there. Yeah, box knife, obviously. Yeah, Very I've got useful. a speed square. Once I got around to electrical, I got an electrical tester. Yeah, we're very uh, familiar you, with those. You have to push the button to make it read, or does it just read automatically? No, you, uh, you turn it on and then it yeah it okay, beeps. Okay. You got you, you got a cat's paw in there. Did you pull a lot of nails oh, on this project? I might have. <laughs> I might have made a mistake one time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that cat's paw has got some marks on it. <laughs> I've heard that's how you tell if a guy's are like a premium framer because his cat's paw looks brand new. Yeah, that's because he just bought a brand new one. <laughs> yeah. A good framer will go through cat's paws. There's just all there is to yeah, it. Look at the Because you're not, not just pulling your own nails. Oh, boy. You're pulling on other people's nails. 100%. I, uh, I, I wouldn't agree with that uh, that assessment. Uh, can, can I can I speak to the lumber pack thing again? And, and, and this goes back. I'm going to plug PAR again because PAR, I've dealt with every single lumber company out there and for 20 years building houses. Okay, maybe 15 actually. Let's ratchet that How back. How old are you? I don't know. I just turned 40 this year, but I was Me building, building from 22 to the age of I just got out of the biz. I don't know what four or five years ago, but yeah. I was in Bend during the heyday. We built I built like two hundred homes in a year. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, but but the the even from a, a standard homeowner, the relationship you have with your lumber guy is going to be different than one you have from your your tile guy, your roofer. All those guys are showing up with the products. That's a that's a turnkey operation. When you're hiring a framer, typically you, as a homeowner, you're going to go buy all those materials from from each one of the lumber companies, and then you're going to hire a guy to put it all together, but you're going to be mm -hmm. on the hook for it. So having to be able to trust your lumber salesperson that they're not, that they're providing you the right products and value engineering to what your project needs to be. Mm -hmm. And then, and then usually just kind of setting a price and then, then just trusting them because it's, it's far too long. 
long of a process to have to then go bid and rebid every every single beam or every single stupid piece along the way. Mm-hmm. And I found that that par lumber is is the one that's that's just the hometown favorite. It's the personal relationships you guys. You know, may not always be the absolute cheapest by, you know, a dollar here or a dollar there, but I know I'm going to get the right stuff when I need it every single time. Mm-hmm. I remember having these, and I appreciate you saying that, because I remember having these conversations with Andy, a lot of these conversations with Andy. And I'll be honest, I have these conversations with every contractor I know. When they come in and say, what's the best thing to use in this situation? There are five things that you can use in that situation. Not necessarily the best, not necessarily the cheapest, and not necessarily the most expensive, but the best. Mm. And that is something rare that you can encounter these days. Even me as a homeowner, and I go talk to somebody who is, uh, that doesn't care about their job. You know, I go in and I talk to, to somebody in a plum, say in a plumbing company, and I say, hey, I, I need to do this. And they go, okay, yeah, they point at that wall. Mm. Well, what's the best one? They're like, oh, that one's the most expensive well, that's not what I mean. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are certain things in life that the most expensive isn't the best, especially for your situation. So I really appreciate I enjoy helping people and figuring out uh, the best way to do things sometimes. Yeah. Solutions. Yes, you are solution yeah, solutions. oriented, Corey Valdez. Because I, I, sure. I think of that, those things in my projects every time I do one. I don't want the cheapest. But I don't want the most expensive. I want the best. Mm-hmm. I like to do things right, and I like to do use the best materials for the job. So you ended up with uh, you ended up with plywood, tongue and groove plywood decking. Yep. On top of eye joists, silent eye floor. Joist, yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. And some Whopper, um, those giant glue lamps. Glue lamps. Yeah. Holy smokes! I was you know I was at a friend's place on a, a Sunday. Might have had a few drinks the night before, so I slept on his couch, and um, <laughs> and he's like. I, I was, his wife was like, Hey, what are you doing today? And I was like, Oh, I'm going to um, move these big glue lamps over my garage so that we can start building the house on top of them. And I was like, I, I think there's an Egyptian method where we're going to, you know, <laughs> use these posts and we're going to roll them along and um, leverage. Oh yeah. And my friend comes out, he's scratching his head and he's like, do you want to borrow my forklift? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And, uh, and so we, we ended up trailering over this forklift that I think weighed like 16,000 pounds or something. And um, we effectively strapped a, each glue lamp to the fork and we made like the world's longest fork. So it was like a 32 foot long fork. Yeah. Oh my. And then he floated them over wow. the garage and we landed them on those those walls that we had framed up down there. Um, and, and just through effectively a miracle, nobody died. I mean, <laughs> that was one of the, whoa, you know, moments. Yeah. Um, but we did it, and we didn't have to do the Egyptian method. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, That's, pro- that's probably a good uh, the, thing. The Egyptians may have had alien forklifts. We don't know, man. That's true, Think man. About that's it. true. Ancient, <laughs> ancient aliens. <laughs> so uh, this is a single story, or this is a two-story? I would say it's... Um, it's a garage Probably, under. It's a garage under. Call. It has like a drive-through garage. It actually has three garage doors. It has one on the front and then one on each side so you can pull through. That was Tate's idea. He was like, dude, I always thought it'd be cool to have a drive-through garage. But then I think you added the one on the end. I did. So like you can then like open all three garage doors and it's just like an open air garage. It's yeah. Like, it's actually pretty amazing. That is amazing. It's nice. Yeah, I, would I would love, love to. I mean, I don't know if we got pictures of that, but I'm going to be looking forward to uh, seeing that. That sounds very cool and super unique, which, you know, could benefit you at, at, 
resale value yeah. time. Well, especially if you have your, your vintage FJ40 Land Cruiser department. Right, we're going. All right, we're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Hang in there. Listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for sticking around. Today, we're talking with Andy Munson and Tate Morgan, the Gambler 500 boys. And uh, Andy had recently built his own home. So we're kind of talking about that whole process, things you've learned, uh, trials and tribulations, maybe some big mistakes you made along the way. And uh, before the break, we were talking about the foundation. You just got the foundation in, and you got you started framing, you got your lumber pack. What was the next step in that process? Uh, figuring out how to frame. Figuring <laughs> out how to frame. Yeah, framing for dummies, framing one, two, three. Oh, that's right. You went to Powell's. Calling your buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the name of that book? I, I don't even remember. I, I doubt I read it. I think I just thought, oh, man, this is... Hopeless. A little bit of light reading before you start framing your own home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got I got friends involved that, you know, had um, built places before. And um, we did a lot of standing around and talking um, before we ever did anything. It yeah. seems to like be, that's yep. mostly my projects. Yeah. I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, the, the biggest mistakes made are the work starts before the conversation is over. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much that needs to be said. Everybody got to get on the same page. Uh, they're all of those words that need to hit your ears one time before you get started, because uh, uh, otherwise you're going to very quickly in a framing process, you're going to get past something that had to be done first, and then you got to tear it all out mm-hmm. and start over again. I mean, even Corey and I communicate very well. And when we're working together on a project, we communicate very well, and we still have had a situation where we had to go back and redo it. And he's like, wow, why didn't we say that? Why didn't we just say that before we started the project? It just If it had just been said, it would have solved all that problem. Yeah. So I understand that. That's mm. uh, that's real. That's uh, very real. Yeah. Yeah, we planned it out. Uh, my friend Josh Hack and Joe uh, sat around and looked at the plans for a long time. He's very uh, methodical. And um, eventually we started framing. We, uh, you know, we got a little pony wall up. Um, and we started framing the walls for the garage. Um, and then John came by and was like, tear that pony wall out. Oh, no. Yeah, I was so bummed because I was like, look at my first wall. And he's like, nope, it's wrong. Um, <laughs> and it, which it kind of wasn't. It kind of wasn't. Um, we ended up finding out later that I had to hanger the big glue lambs um, in the garage um, using some really heavy-duty yeah. hangers. Buckets. Oh, my gosh. And they were not cheap. Um but it ended up being fine. It, it passed inspection. And, um, but yeah, I, we got through framing. I thought it was going to take three weeks. It took nine months. Yeah. Well, I see that you have a tent set up out there. Yeah. So there was, uh, I mean, you know, at least you're on site, right? They call me the Bogwan Munson. <laughs> <laughs> so much less travel time, uh, less gas, right? Just roll into the tent. Yeah. Fire up, your, uh, fire up your wood stove you had in there, it looks like. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That's commitment right there. Yeah. So yeah, um, we just kept plugging away on framing. Um, there's John Mart with his Humvee, and he he straightened out my walls <laughs> by with his Humvee. Yeah, just tugging on them. Yeah, they were all out, and he's like, "Let me help you." And yeah, sure enough, it worked. We um and we used a lot of bracing. 
Um, and then once we got, oh, there's the glue lamp. Jeez. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the sketchier things I've ever done. Um, but yeah, once we got our main framing done and then the decking down, um, somebody asked what I wanted for my birthday. And I was like, I want to tip walls up. Like, I think that'd be really cool. That's like that romantic, like, you know, yeah, wow. actually building. Yeah. Home. yeah. Yeah. And, um, so it was really cool. Tate showed up, um, with some big dudes. I mean, we called everybody I knew, um, and we tipped up these giant walls and they chattered towards the edge and there's just like, yeah. And it was like, if they slipped off, it would have been over a thousand pounds coming down on all the people that were helping. And, um, and it was just insane. And, and they went up though. It was like, as they chattered, we went, go, 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 go. And we just, and pushed them up and they got past that. You know, yeah, huge two story gable end walls with a bunch of beams in them. I mean, they were they were nasty, nasty. Yeah, I don't you know. You needed that forklift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some touch and go situations there. Uh, it, it never fails. I feel like in a framing project, especially if if it's not something you do every day, mm-hmm. uh, definitely some touch and go situations. Yeah. Let's talk about your first framing inspection. You said you failed earlier in the show. You said you failed four inspections. I think, yeah, I'd have to go through. I have a big old pile of slips that were, um, you know, sometimes they'd say, sometimes they'd actually say failed, which is stings, you know. <laughs> sometimes they'd say partial uh, pass, which is nice. <laughs> partial yeah. pass. Yeah. You just failed a couple things. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of them was like uh, rain drains, and I had put strapping under the rain drains to help when they would backfill. And then he's like, you don't have enough straps on there. And I was like, I was just putting straps on there to be helpful. I didn't even know I had to. And he goes, oh, yeah, they got to be every four feet. And I was like, oh, dang it. So, so you had to go back and add strapping. Add strapping. That's with not a the, bad one. Not bad at all. And so, and I, and I, yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to the Clackamas County inspectors. I mean, it was awesome working with these guys. And, and they want you to succeed. And that's something that I think people need to know is that understand that they're human um, and that they want you to get through the project and um, – and they were they were rooting for me. I felt like, and they're out there to ensure that the home goes up safely, safely. correct, and that it's not yeah. going to fall down or or something to that nature. Yeah, or, I mean, you learn about all sorts of stuff. It's like on um, on final the the railings they have to go back into the wall and have a return. And he was like, "Oh, good, you got returns." And I was like, "Oh, why is that?" And he's like, "Well, they found out in studies that in commercial fires." Um, people will go down the stairwell and they would have a long sleeve shirt and it would get caught on that hand railing. And then they would take their first breath of smoke and they would pass out. Oh, man. And then they would find like 20 dead people behind them because everybody would pile up into them and also oh, breathe in that smoke. So it's like, it was, you know, paid in blood. Um, a simple thing like a return on a hand railing into a wall. So if somebody out there is like, geez, this guy made me, you know, yeah. run this railing. There's it's, a reason why. Yeah. And, yeah. and you find out all sorts of a little real things reason. like that. Yeah. yeah. And you kind of go, man, some of this is nuanced, but it's also like, hey, this saves lives. And um, and that's where I really appreciated when they made me redo stuff or, or you know, say, hey, do this right. I'm like, oh, you know, OK, let's do it. That's absolutely. Uh, I I love the insight, right? Because you can really appreciate it. Somebody in your situation could come away from this being like, "Those guys were so rough on me." You know, they didn't have to be that. Whatever. But you definitely saw through um, the whole thing. Obviously, all of this is in place for um, for future, right? Mm-hmm. For safety in the future. For houses standing up in 
in uh, natural disasters, all of that stuff, right, is for a reason. They don't just make this stuff up. Hey, that would look better if you did it this way. You know, obviously that's not the case. So I love that you could see through that and appreciate it for what it is. That's cool. I did want to say something. I know that we're kind of going back here. In the design process, you had mentioned that you were looking online mm-hmm. and trying to find a plan that suited you online. And I'm just going to throw this out as a tip. In my experience, buying online plans is not a good idea, mm-hmm. especially in an area that requires uh, seismic engineering. For instance, you know, there's some beautiful plans on there from companies that sell, you know, houses in, say, Georgia. And then they buy them and then they bring them out here. And it's a completely different set of engineering that you have to go through to make it work here in, you know, the the Valley of, of Oregon. Well, there's a lot of hold downs. There's a lot of hardware, a lot of, in, you know, beams and things that have to be upsized because of the seismic area we're in. So if I were going to give anyone a tip, don't buy plans online if you plan on building in the Pacific Northwest. Or unless you plan on taking them and having them reworked. Yeah, I mean, mean, if the design is the only place you can find it is on this plan that was built for another state, well, then that's what, just understand that there's going to be some more work and some more money spent before you can build that here safely. True. A lot of people don't understand that because they'll go meet with architects and engineers and they'll get this price. They'll be like, man, thousands of dollars to get this what I want, but I can find it online for, you know, 800 bucks to buy a set of of blueprints online. And then they realize, oh no, I got to spend another thousand or 1500 bucks to get it re-engineered and potentially change significant portions of the house to make it work in our area. I, I just see it all the time. So I just want to give that out there. Be prepared. I think it's got a soul list to do that, too. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. we got to take one more quick break, and then we're going to come back here and wrap a bow around this baby. You're listening to Tony Corey, your Weekend Warriors. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now. Here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. This is our last segment today. We've been talking with Andy and Tate with the uh, with the Gambler 500. Andy built his own home, and uh, we're learning about all the process, everything that you went through in this process, and it's pretty significant. Anybody that's ever built anything from start to finish, but you took, you've never done it, and right. you jumped right in, and you built a house. So uh, it's pretty incredible. We before the break we were talking about framing. You just got into the framing. Where we go? Where where are we at from there? Got walls tipped up. Um, got framing inspection. He came out. I remember he saw under the deck, and he, all of a sudden they moved to one foot on center, and he's like, "Hot tub?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, nice." He's like, "Sweet." So, um, and they were really, you know, they were really nice through that process. I passed framing on the first try, um, and then yeah, then we moved on. I think at that point we're doing all our electrical and plumbing um plumbing i subbed out um to my friend ryan venn um and his daughter emma wanted to learn how to plumb um she's an apprentice awesome yeah so it was really cool um they came out and knocked all that out and um electrical i got some help from friends and family and um you know pulled all the the wire and you know got all that dialed um and then you know i know oh i remember the um the insulation, I ended up having a company cause they could 
actually install it for cheaper than I could buy it. Yeah. Wow. I've had, I, I had this it. conversation with you because I recently mm-hmm. went through this in my situation. I ins- I had my whole crawl space insulated. It was not insulated. And I priced it out. I called my insulation suppliers. I mean, at my cost, it was like an extra 300 bucks to have somebody come out and install it with all of the every all the materials included. And I was blown away. I said, that is one of those situations, right? That is yeah. one of those things that it's a, a horrible job to do by yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you can have a crew come in and just knock it out. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, for no 300 brainer. bucks. Yep. It's yeah. like sheetrock. Yeah. I always say sheetrock is one of the most... You, it is a, a very difficult thing to master. Mm-hmm. And guys that do it or gals that do it and are good at it, it takes many years. So to try and do it on your first try or even your 10th try, I just you just pay somebody. Yeah. They, they just do so much better job uh, at it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not that you know sheetrock for example, and insulation too, they're not they're not the things that are that much ex- that, that that expensive. Right, you know, right, it's not right. those big ticket items where mm-hmm. you save a lot of money by I mean like it's not like framing, right? right? I mean that's that's a big ticket item. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, in my drywall, we actually hung drywall um, and then started mudding it. And it was taking so long that I brought in guys. And it was kind of like what you said, like once a homeowner starts it, then these guys have to come in and clean it up. And they were laughing and they're just like, geez, come on, really? Um, but they they fixed it um, and took care of it. And um, so, yeah, once we got drywall in, um, you know, I clicked through some inspections. I got, I ran ductless mini splits for all my uh, heating and cooling. Awesome. Um, which are supplemented with a wood stove. Um, that was one of those Craigslist finds. Um, and, you know, I kept the whole thing kind of under, you know, not under budget, but within budget by meeting, you know, some people in parking lots for some stuff. <laughs> that was the, the exemplary of you get obsessed with something for like a week at a time. Yeah. And for like a week, he was he was the wood stove expert. Mm-hmm. Like he, there was nothing to know about certain brands and wood stove. He knew anything and everything, where they all were for sale. Like, and that, that happened to every like, step of the process. I went with him on one expedition. We didn't end up buying it, but like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we tried to lift it. Yeah. We couldn't lift it up. Yeah. It was too heavy. <laughs> yeah, we're we're big swole dudes. Actually, I'm trying to figure swole. that out. I'm six foot four. And I'm looking in the camera over there, and I look I look short compared to you. You're, you're four to me. I don't like that. <laughs> um, but well, yeah, I you know I got yeah I got fascinated by like three quarter minus. I'd see a pile of gravel. I'd be like, oh look at that nice three quarter. You, <laughs> you still do that. I still do that. Uh, ideally, that would be the situation. You would find out everything you could know about this thing that you want to buy or install or do, right? That way you could make an informed decision and then do it. Mm. But what keeps most people from doing that is time. Yeah, yeah. time. Yeah. Time, I mean, it all comes back to time. I don't have the time to learn everything there is to know about a wood stove in order to make the best, most uh, cost-effective, and efficient decision. Yeah, decision. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, another one I respect, man. I think that's uh, absolutely awesome. I love the fact that you were able to do this on your own time and and really make all of these things work to your benefit. That's just yeah. awesome. Well, when you think about the average production home from start to finish, from dig out to turnkey, turnkey, you know, handing over the keys to the to that home is average like two months. Whoa, yeah. I would say, yeah, for a maybe, for a maybe or something. yeah, maybe three if it's a nice custom home. Maybe I mean four. I've I've seen houses that take two years to build, 
but they're 15,000 square feet. You know what I mean? And not, they're not mansions. 1,500. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. the, for you, I'm not knocking. I'm just saying for that person that you'd have to keep that in mind. If you're diving into a project like this as a weekend warrior, which is essentially what you are, you're into this two and a half years, hmm. but you're not even done, done, no. right? I I'm mean, comfortable, though. I mean, it's yeah. like, yeah, I've got... Um, it's close enough. Yeah, nice kitchen in there. Um, it's comfortable. You know, I get the fireplace going now. with this well, fall here. Have we have we talked about you have occupancy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I guess fast-forwarding through everything, I ended up putting in um, bamboo floors. I was going to refinish the OSB and try to clear coat over that. And that just – I tried it. I rented a sander, and it just was tearing out chunks of OSB. And um, so I ended up getting some um, bamboo – I got some from a, my friend John – um, and then I ended up buying the rest, um, and, and flooring and pre yeah. pre-finished stuff. Yeah. And it goes, it click. It was so nice. Um, I actually ended up having to tear a bunch out cause I had a water, um, a frost free valve explode in the wall in the middle of summer. Um, oh, that's weird. John laughed. He's like, you're the only guy I know that would have a frost free go south in the middle of summer. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> um, not good though. So I had to take out some flooring and replace that. But I, you know, by then I was so galvanized by this process that it's like, oh, okay, it's just a collective shrug. You just pick up and keep going. Yeah, that's what you do. That's what you have to do as a homeowner because as you go forward from day one, I own this home, whether you built it or didn't, everything that happens is your responsibility. Yeah. And you're either going to shell out a bunch of money to have somebody come in and get it done, or you're going to find out how to do it where you can get the material as inexpensively and efficiently as possible. And you're going to call up your buddies and you're going to get on it. And you're mm. going to be like, this is what's got to happen. I'm going to do it. Right. You can't just leave it undone, especially 100%. not if it's inside. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. And you know, eventually, you know, I just, I, I think there were 24 inspections. Um, I didn't even remember. There's a lot. And, um, yeah, I finally got to, um, you know, final electrical, final plumbing, and then occupancy and occupancy, they were really cool. I called and I said, hey, um, can you give me some tips on what you're going to look for and what I need to have done and not done? And he's like, well, you don't need trim. You don't need, you know, floor coverings. You don't, he named off all this stuff. And I was like, wow, I'm checking all that off the list right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was really cool that, you know, I had a good inspector that wanted to see me succeed and, um, and, and yeah, I knocked out everything I needed to knock out. So I still need to go to par and get my uh, trim pack. Um, I'm still kind of deciding how to trim out the windows because it's like there's so many decisions. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like Corey and I talk about that kind of stuff all the time. What's the look that you're going for and what's the material that you're going to use and, and how is that going to work with the siding you've got on the house already? Mm -hmm. All those decisions. I mean, but heck. You know, what's another two years, right? Right, right. Take all the time you need, Andy, to get that trim on the house. And then, uh, you know, you're picking out a paint color or, or whatever. But uh, that's super exciting. This is such a huge success story. I absolutely love it. Thank you, We only guys. have a couple minutes left. I want to just ask, what is probably the biggest thing you pulled away from building your own home? What's, what's the, the biggest thing you learned? And would you do it again? Um, I would say the biggest thing I learned is... Um, just to never quit. 
and, and you know you see that saying written somewhere on some wall and some silly <laughs> scribble but live yeah. laugh love live laugh love yeah and it's just like you gotta learn to get kicked in the face and fall off ladders and shoot yourself with a ring shank nail gun I mean I had some stuff happen oh I did one of those <laughs> oh and oh yeah um but yeah you gotta you just gotta persevere and so I you know it's it's the you know, handling the meltdowns. When I started this thing, there were little things that would just be like, oh, um, this project's over. And by the end, I was like, oh, no problem. Um, so I'd say persevere. And I would say, yeah, I would do it again. I'm hoping that one of the friends that helped me with this project wants to do their own um, because I would love to be the guy that gets to help them. Yeah. And actually, I've, I've been building a shop up on top of my hill. Andy's been very diligent in showing up pretty much every day. On, on, I don't even ask him to come, and he shows up there. So he's, he's definitely paying it forward, that's for sure. That's awesome. Well, from all the times you helped him at his house. Thank yeah, you all, guys. all three times. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being on. We really appreciate it. Andy Munson, Tate Morgan, gambler500.com. Go check it out. That sounds like an absolute blast. Uh, thank you guys again so much for being with us. That's all the time we got. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here. Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week.